said, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I am scared to death of flying. Can you please build a bridge between California and Hawaii? And God said, well, the, I'm not going to do that. The, the logistics of that. Just think about the logistics, son. Come up with another wish. Then he said, well, you know, I've been divorced four times, and all my wives have said I'm extremely insensitive. Would you grant me the ability to understand women? Would you grant me the ability to understand how they think the way they think, how they feel, why they feel the way they feel, why they do what they do? And God looked at him and said, would you like two lanes or four lanes? (laughs) Oh, that felt good. Anyway, (laughs) Scripture says in Genesis 18, is anything too hard for uh, for the Lord? And church, what's the answer to that? It is not. Now, I'm going to ask you to, just for a little bit of a favor here. You're going to be tempted to hear this message today in a corporate manner. And it is a corporate message, but I'm going to ask you to listen a little bit differently. Listen personally. I want you to listen corporately, yes, but I want you to listen personally. Listen a little bit differently, because if you don't, you will be shortchanged in this message. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days like the Astros will be accused of cheating. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then there's this interesting phrase, having a form of godliness, going to church, calling yourself a Christian, playing the part, but denying its power. Is that scripture not broadcast on the nightly news every single night? Everything that we just read, I was going to go through a list of things of how bad our world is right now, but I just decided to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, the prediction that God made. But here's the truth. We need hope in the midst of a dark world, and the hope of the world, church, the hope of the world is a church on mission with God. Would you say that with me? The hope of the world is a church on mission with God. In the book of Revelation, Jesus wrote to seven different churches in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. And whenever he wrote to the churches, he said, get on mission. That's what he basically says to all seven. Get on mission. Get on mission. And you know why he said that? Because he knew the hope of the world is a church on mission with God. Most of our New Testament are letters written to churches. People that say that church is not important apparently have never read the New Testament because the New Testament is basically filled with books to churches. You got 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus were written to leaders of churches on how to put leadership and organization in the church. 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Jude were written to all the churches. All the authors were saying, get on mission. Why? Because the hope of the world is a church on mission with God. I don't know if you know who this is. This man's name is Tom Brady. Brady. Terry Bradshaw. (laughs) Oh, he is there. Okay. Yeah, should have cropped him out for Adam Davis. Stay out of my preaching, okay? Tom Brady is a six-time Super Bowl champion. Three-time NFL MVP, 14-time Pro Bowler. Some would consider him the greatest quarterback of all time. But after he won his third Super Bowl, he said this interesting statement. 
halfway through his career. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there is something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, th this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. And yet here I am thinking, God, it's got to be more than this. Whoa. And for the record, the interviewer asked him, do you know what it is? Right after that. And he said, I wish I knew. Church, we know, don't we? Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. We come in here today because it doesn't matter how famous you get. It doesn't matter uh, how much money you make. Tom Brady is proof of that. At the end of the day, there's got to be more than that, and it's Jesus Christ. This week, I had a tough time putting together this message. I didn't know what to talk about this morning, and then it hit me on a piece of paper. I wrote down three things that I learned about God this year, and I want to share them with you. So the title of this message is God Is. God Is. Now, we could say God is a lot of things. God is love. You'd be right. God is holy. You'd be right. God is faithful. Church, is God faithful? God is faithful, and we would be right. But three things I learned about God this year. And by the way, I ran into a kid with a, with a hoodie on this week, and on the hoodie, it had a God Is statement. And here's the statement. God is dope. So I just want you to know, and I think that's a, I think that's a compliment, but I don't really know. <laughs> I'm way off the, the beaten path when it comes to God is dope. I just want you to know that's not one of our three points this morning. So that's, all I'm, that's why I'm showing you that hoodie t-shirt. Number one, God is in this. Did you know that? God is in this, and we need to know that. God has been from the beginning. He is, and he will continue to be in this as we move forward, as we take risks, as we are faithful to the message of Christ and the gospel of grace. God is in this interesting verse in Genesis 28. This is fascinating. Verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know what you feel when you come in here. I don't know what you see when you come in here. I don't know what you think when you come in here. Whenever you ponder Venture Christian Church, I don't know what goes through your mind. Feelings are fickle. Feelings can be off. Doesn't matter what you feel. Doesn't matter what you think. Jacob even had a moment where he said, I wasn't aware of it, but the Lord is in this place. Church, God is in Venture Christian Church. He's in this place. And I want all of us to know that. Jesus gave his disciples an interesting promise. There's a biblical precedent to this point. Matthew 28, three weeks in a row, we're going to read this. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely, and now the next four words, I am with you. When? When you're making disciples. When you're doing that, I'm with you. Now, is God always with us? Yeah, he is. But for some reason, Jesus went out of his way. I, I don't I quite understand. He's always with us. But when you're focused on making disciples, when his mission is your mission, when his agenda is your agenda, when his heart is your heart, Jesus says, I'm with you in an extra special way. Go and make disciples, and I am with you. As long as we're doing that venture, he's with us. Isn't that good news? As long as that's our focus, he's with us. Now, that's the biblical reason I know he's with us. Let me share with you experientially why I know he's with us. I wish you could see everything I see. I wish 
you have seen everything my wife and I have seen from six years ago when a guy started putting the bug in our ear. You guys ought to go plant a church. I wish you could have been with us through the whole journey. And, and you would see in a greater way that God, is, that God is in this. I've told you this story before for some of you long-time Venturites. Is there such a thing as a long-time Venturite? <laughs> it's a long time, one year. Um, some of you have heard this story, but in the early days, before we were even meeting on Sunday mornings, before we'd ever gathered any kind of a church whatsoever, it was a summer day, which meant it was 315 degrees in Houston, and we were, we were knocking on doors that day. Do you remember those days, Doug, that, that first summer? And we're knocking on doors, and Doug, somewhere else, I'm, I'm with myself, and I'm knocking on some doors. And it was one of those days, man, the responses weren't good, and I'd been doing it for several hours. And I even told God, I had a conversation with God, I said, I don't know, God, if I'm doing the right thing here. And I knock on a door, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do one more street today. And I knock on a door, and a lady answered the door in her pajamas. She was, she was uh, how do you, uh, not put together, <laughs> I don't know how to say these things. She was not put together, and uh, she had told me this morning she had given up on life, and her husband had been killed the year before by her son. Her son was in prison for killing her husband. So she'd lost her son. She'd lost her husband. And her daughter had blamed her. So she lost her daughter in the midst of all that. And she said, God, I don't even believe in you. But if you're real, send an angel today. And if you don't, I'm ending it by tonight. And I looked at her and said, eh, ta-da. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> you thought an angel would be better looking. But I'm... And she, was, she just started crying and said, God sent you. I said, I'm preacher of Interchristian Church. She said, you're, you're who God sent. And we had a long conversation. And she lives in Dallas now, closer to the prison where her son is. So she's, she's not part of this church, has never really been a part of this church. But I went home that day, and some people would say, was that a successful day for Venture? How many people did you bring in today, Nathan? And I would say zero, but that's not the point. God was in that that day. And I went home that morning thinking, God set that appointment up. And I could, I could tell you 15 other stories. If you're here today because of an invite card, God sent that card to you. If you're here today because of a friendship was striking up, God made that friendship work. If you're here today because of a dinner, if you're here today because of a flyer, if you're here today because somebody invited you, if you're here today because you walked by this church building, whatever it was, God set that up. God is in this. Let me share with you some details about Venture Christian Church. Very transparent, next five minutes. Very transparent. We are what the church world calls a parachute plant. Everybody say parachute plant. You don't see these in Houston, Texas. That's what I've learned. In Houston, Texas, what you see is a huge church put the money into what they would call a satellite campus out around the suburbs of Houston. Have you seen those? Yeah, yeah. they put $25 million in the building. You start the program, and, and you immediately start with 1,000 people, and, and, that, and they called a brand-new church, but in reality, that is the DNA of a mother church somewhere else starting somewhere else around Houston. That's fine. That's good. We're not, we, we not going to play the comparison game. We are what you call a parachute plant, which means we came in with nobody, we popped into Katie. You didn't know me. I didn't know you. You were glad that you didn't know me. You're still wondering why you know me today. But none of that was in place. We didn't start with $20 million. We didn't start with 1,000 people. We didn't have a building. 
still don't have a building. <laughs> you know, we didn't have any of that stuff. We started from ground zero. And you say, why would you do that? Because the statistics are undeniable. The greatest amount of impact that happens around the planet for bringing people to Christ are through parachute plants. And it's not even close. More people are one to Christ, more people are impacted to Christ through churches like this than all the satellite. Now, I'm not putting down, I'm not, we are, anybody who preaches that Jesus is Lord, we are friends with them, amen? So there's no comparison going on here. Parachute plants are harder. Parachute plants are not easy. You're starting with zero. How do you get that baby going? But statistically, kingdom impact, it's not even close. Parachute plants is where it's at. That's why we did it, and that's who we are. And you need to know that's who we are, and that's why we did it. Now, here's a couple numbers. Our average attendance in 2020, in all of our services in 2020, three of them probably now, is in the 90s somewhere. And I didn't know what was going to be today, so I was kind of averaging out what today would be. Last week was 90, the week before was 80, uh, 82. But we're probably around 90 in average attendance. That's, that's not a number we... Uh, we care about it, but that's not the number that we put at the top. The amount of walk-ins in the last year, the amount of people that filled out a Connect card is 231. That's how many people walked into Venture Christian Church in the last year that filled out a card. I think it's higher than that because not everybody filled out a card. But that's how many people walked in. That, that's not our number either. That's not the number we focus on. The number that we focus on at Venture Christian Church is actually what I call the impact number. Let me describe the impact number before I share it with you. It's the amount of people that we have brought in that have connected to Venture, gotten on a team, have called Venture home, have said, I'm a part of Venture. We expect here on Sunday morning, the amount of people, that is the people that we have impacted for the gospel Sunday by Sunday by Sunday by Sunday, the amount of people in the last year that have called Venture Christian Church home is this right here, 158 different people have called Venture Christian Church home in the last year. Now, just so you know, in the parachute plant world, that's off the charts. There is no number for that. You know how a baby's born, you're 99th percentile? That's 99th percentile. Now, we don't say that to brag. We say that to give all the glory to God and to say God is in this place. Now, out of those 158 people, 63 of them have been relocated due to job or lifestyle. They have moved somewhere else. Uh, outside of the Houston area that they can no longer attend with us anymore. A few families have left, uh, not because of that. They've, they've just gotten disconnected from this church. But 63 people have left in the last year due to job relocation or just moving to a different house. That's off the charts too. So make a pact with me this year. No more moving. Raise your hand. <laughs> You're not selling your house, and I will come and poison your yard in your grass so that you cannot, and no, I wouldn't ever even think of that. That would never cross my mind. But that's the number, 158. If you would have told me that on soft launch Sunday, for those of you who were, for the nine people who were here on soft launch Sunday, if you would have told me 158, I would have done cartwheels and I can't do cartwheels. But 158 people impacted for the gospel of grace. God is in this place. Number two, God is God. Ooh, profound. <laughs> Nathan, you studied hard this week. Wow. May not seem important, but when we forget who God is, chaos ensues. 
Psalm 46, verse 10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. I got a question. Do you have a memory in your life of ever seeing something so grand and so glorious and so amazing that it stopped you in your tracks and you just became still? Do you have a memory of that? Maybe as a kid, maybe even as an adult, something was so glorious and grand that it, it stopped you. I am told that people who see for the first time the waves at North Shore, Oahu, Hawaii, some of the largest waves in the world, people who see it, they stop in their tracks, they stand still, their eyes are fixated on the sheer grandiosity of what they are seeing. They can no longer move. They are fixated on the size of those waves. We've experienced a standing still moment. What God is saying is these waves, as big as they are, those mountains, as amazing as they are, that ocean, as beautiful as it is, those sunsets that take your breath away, all of those things, I'm the creator of all of that. I did that. And if those things take your breath away, then he should take your breath away. Be still and know that I am God. Church, we're going too fast. We wake up in the morning and get to work as fast as we can. We try to beat the rush hour on the way home from work. And then we have all the events in the evening and we never stop and see that God is God. I'm reminded of the boy at school who was going through the lunch line. At the beginning of the lunch line at this Christian school, there's a basket of apples. There's a sign above the basket of apples that said, take only one, God is watching. So the kids only took one. But at the end of the line, there was a basket of chocolate chip cookies. And there was no sign. And the, one of the boys asked his friends, how many can we take? And his friend said, take as many as you want. God is watching the apples. <laughs> right? It's a funny story. But it's not funny when we make God smaller than he really is. Every now and then, we just need to stop and admit that God is God. And if that is true, then guess what else is true? If God is God, then you are not. (laughs) And we need to be reminded of that. We don't have all the answers. We don't have all the formulas. We don't have all the solutions. We don't have all the cures. If God is God, then we are not. So I just want you to take a moment, participate, be a leader and be a participator. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not even close. You're not God. Just say that to the person next to you. Didn't that feel good to say it? (laughs) Some of you have been waiting to say that for years, and now you're sleeping on the couch tonight. But the Israelites knew how important this was. They had a prayer every morning when they woke up and every night before they went to bed. The prayer was called the Shema. Say that out loud, the Shema. Every day, an Israelite would grow up his entire life, and they would say the prayer of the Shema. Here's the beginning of the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God is the only true God. Amen? Amen. The Lord our God is the only true God. Now, I don't know about you, but I know this is true for me. I need a God who's big enough to take care of my problems because I have some big problems. And I need a God who's big enough to take care of my sins because I have had some big sins. 
And I need a God who's big enough when I come across an ocean, he can part that ocean. And I need a God who's big enough to make the sun stand still. I need a God who's big enough to call down fire from heaven. I need a God who's big enough to close the mouth of a lion. I need the God who's big enough to talk through a donkey if he has to talk through a donkey. I need a God who's big enough to create the world in six days. I need a God who's, who loves me so much that he would send his only begotten son and he would die for me. I need a real God. I don't need a fake God. I don't need a counterfeit God. There's enough counterfeit gods out there. I want him, the one true God. This church is about bringing him glory, not us glory. It's about making much of him, not much of us. But it starts with the reminder that God is God and I am not. Now, in case somebody walked in today and you didn't know this, there is a God and he loves you and he wants you and he wants a relationship with you. And he's not after religious moral commitments. He's not after a straitjacket approach to life. He's after a relationship with you, and you need to know that. Number one, God is in this. Number two, God is God. And finally, number three, God is good. As we look back at our first year, let's just all proclaim in unison, God is good. Now, I don't have all the answers to everything that's happened. I didn't have any predictions. I didn't know we'd have 158 people connect to venture. I didn't know that till a couple of weeks ago when I was doing the math. All I know is this, God is good. And it has overwhelmed me the more I think about Venture Christian Church. Here, here, here's, here's what I do know that I don't know a lot. <laughs> we don't know a lot. Would you just say the words, I don't know? Oh, it just feels good. I don't know. There's a lot of things we don't know. So I, I want you to participate with me. When I ask this question, you just say, I don't know. Who's going to win the election in 2020? Now, I'll let you know after church, okay? But <laughs> who's, who's going to win the election in 2020? We don't know. Is the stock market going to go up or down in 2020? What's going to happen in the Middle East? Is Harry and Meghan going to depart from the royal family? Are your property taxes going to go up in 2020? Okay, we can say yes to that. But <laughs> I don't know a lot, but I know this. God is good. And no matter what happens in 2020, no, no matter what the future holds, I know who holds the future. And he is never changing. Doug, you stole a little bit of my thunder, but I'm glad you did it. He is never changing. The same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God is good. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know how hard it is, but it doesn't negate the fact that God is good. God is always right. He never makes a mistake, and he is working on behalf of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We need to be reminded of that today, and here's why I know God is good. Here's, here's why your preacher knows God is good. Jesus is the proof. I just need to look to Jesus. Well, how do you know God's good, Nathan? Because of Jesus. If anybody ever asks you out there, how do you know God's good? Because of Jesus. That's your answer. Anybody recognize what stadium this is? Anybody? Where's Jeremy? There he is. Did you answer there? Yeah, yeah the cow that's Texas Stadium. Ken? Okay. <laughs> this is your day. This is your moment, Ken. Okay? Some of you recognize it, some of you don't. It's Texas Stadium. It was torn down in 2010. Some great football moments have happened in that stadium. 
Some of you, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you may remember a game-winning touchdown against the Washington Redskins happened in that stadium. Some of you may remember some NFC Championship games that sent the Dallas Cowboys into the Super Bowl where they eventually won Super Bowl championships. Happened in that stadium. Some great moments have happened there. It was built for football. It was built for football. But if you were to ask Jerry Jones, what's the most powerful moment that he's ever witnessed in Texas Stadium? Now, I don't know his spiritual state, but his answer would be this. In 1999, there were 65,000 Christian men who gathered in that stadium. And on the stage that day, whoever was speaking asked the entire crowd, yell the name of your church. And 65,000 men yelled the name of their church, and it was muddied, and nobody could understand anybody because, you know, there were thousands of different answers. But then from the stage, the man asked, now everybody, yell the name of the one you worship. And everybody, 65,000 people, in one voice, one stadium-shattering voice, yelled, Jesus. And Jerry Jones says, the most powerful moment that he ever witnessed, and I don't even know if he's a Christian, that he ever witnessed at Texas Stadium was the moment that 65,000 men yelled the name of Jesus. He said he'll never forget it. He actually said for the years following until the stadium was torn down, every time he pulled up to Texas Stadium, every time he pulled up in his car or the limousine that whoever was driving, every time he pulled up, he remembered that day. Here's what I remember over the last year. God is good and Jesus is why. Would you pray with me? Father, you are a good God. And no matter what happens here, no matter what the future holds, no matter what the past has been, we are reminded that you are God and you are good and you are in this place. And Jesus is why. Jesus has given us the example of life and Jesus has shown us what it is to live by the Holy Spirit and to follow the Heavenly Father. And Father, may we follow in his steps, as 1 Peter says. May we marvel at the grace that you have offered to each and every one of us. May we be captivated by the mercy that you hand out with open hands. Father, I'm grateful for this church, grateful for the last year, but I am more excited for the future. The best is yet to come because you're good. Father, may we be submitted to your goodness and may we submit that you are God and we are not. So many things are out of our control. There are so many things we don't know. But if we know you, we can have confidence and we can stand strong. We love you. Thank you for everything here today. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen.